very abrupt transition. All right, you ready to go into John 9? This story in John 9 is a place that we could find a multitude of sermons. As a matter of fact, I'm thinking I might even use it again in a couple months and do something completely different with it because there are so many things wrapped up in this passage. We could spend time trying to, to ask the question and answer the question that disciples asked. Who's, whose fault is this? How did this happen? What's going on here? What's behind this man being born blind? Why did this happen? We could spend time talking about all the different opinions of what's taking place in the passage. We read 38 verses and we saw lots of different opinions of what's taking place. Whether it's a passage talking about Sabbath again and what you can and can't do on the Sabbath. I know some of you are not excited to go there again. Um, that's, that's not the plan. But um, again, over and over again in scripture, Sabbath seems to be important. Jesus doesn't get rid of it. He redefines it as something different. We could talk about the healing and what takes place and why the healing and what was happening in that and what message it might have been in that. We could look at the passage and, and talk about was Jesus being anti-Pharisees or anti-legalism or, or was that what was taking place? There's a multitude of questions that we could ask about it. could even look at the passage and look at the criticism that this man faced. Notice that he got criticized, he got ridiculed repeatedly because he was healed. The Pharisees attacked him. His neighbors questioned if it was really him or if he was faking it. His parents wouldn't even stand up for him. They said, well, we don't know what happened. Ask him. He's old enough. Over and over again, this criticism, this persecution, because he'd been healed. But this morning, the way that we want to look at the passage, the story, is to talk about the fourth step. In this, these steps, these six steps that Doug Dubois helped put into a workbook, uh, six simple steps for sharing our faith. As we talk about the idea of how do we share our faith with others, we've walked through three of them. Today we want to use this story to look at the fourth one of what's taking place. And as we do so, I want to say a couple things to make sure that we're all understanding and in the same place. First is this, the first three steps that we looked at. And I know it's hard for you to read from where you are, but the first six steps, or the first three steps we looked at were prayer, Celebrate and serve radical hospitality. And I want to make sure that you understand something because I think that we could do something dangerous with those as we walk around the circle and as we come to this fourth step is that we could look at those first three as, as kind of appetizers towards evangelism. The idea that they're just preparing us to do evangelism. They're, they're getting us ready. And I want to make sure that you wholeheartedly hear me say what I believe is absolutely true in the scriptures. Those first three steps, they're not what we do before evangelism. They're not our getting ready for evangelism. This step four is the first time we've talked about an actual verbal witness of what Jesus has done or what Jesus is doing. But that doesn't make the other three not evangelism. I would say to you that the scriptures actually show us that those three are also, along with this one, modes of evangelism. They are, they are methods by which we communicate to people that they are deeply loved by Jesus. And the intent of evangelism is to communicate to people, you are deeply loved by Jesus. Giving them an opportunity to come to know and follow Christ once they understand that they are loved by the Savior. So these first three steps, these, these first three that we've, that we've used before we've gotten to this, this fourth one, 
This fourth place, which is a verbal witness, which is tell your story. They weren't preludes. They weren't leading up to evangelism. But in this process, they also weren't sufficient as evangelism. The idea of the process is that we would find someone, that we would find a, a couple someone, and that we would walk through all six steps of this process. Not just one of them, although any one of them could be easily used in acquaintances or relationships that we just kind of come and go in and out of. We communicate the love of Jesus by serving a stranger. We communicate the love of Jesus by showing radical hospitality to a stranger that we just invited. Just that one time, that's our only opportunity to do anything. And yes, even with telling our story that Maybe it's just a, a one-off situation with a stranger. And it's this one thing. It's not the process that we're talking about. The entire six steps that we've been walking through and that we'll continue to walk through over the next few weeks. But because Jesus changes lives, we pray. Step one. Because Jesus changes lives, we celebrate and serve other people. That was step two on it. Because Jesus changes lives, we choose to be people of radical hospitality. That was step three. And today, because Jesus changes lives, we tell our own story, step four, of life change. Our own story of what God has done in our life. John 9, this story of a man born blind. No idea how long he'd been blind. It never tells us what his age is. The parents say, ask him. He's old enough to tell you what happened. So we know he's at least old enough to do that. I don't know what that means. I mean, I don't have any idea. They didn't call him the boy born blind. They called him the man born blind. So I assume he's not a fifth grader. I assume probably not in middle school when we might still call him a boy. You know, I, again, I don't, we, we can only guess. He was old enough that they referred to him as a man. We also know that he'd been blind long enough. This is what he was known by. He was known by his ailment. He was the blind man. He was the blind beggar who lived around the street, who, who begged for what he needed. He was the blind man. That's how they referred to him. That's what they called him. That's how they knew him. And we even see that once he's healed, there's no way they possibly believe he's the same guy. Because he's the blind guy. And if the blind guy's not blind anymore, that can't be the same guy because he's the blind guy. They knew him by this ailment that he suffered with and he had suffered with for so long. They were shocked by his change. They were shocked by what happened to him. They doubted if this was even the same man. And while I believe that that's because he could suddenly see, so he went from not seeing to seeing, and that alone I had them asking questions. No, it can't be the same guy. He just looks like the same guy. I think what's also true is that probably more than his vision was changed in that healing. Probably more than his eyesight took place. It wasn't only because he could now see that they wondered if he was the same guy. I think it is likely that his entire countenance, his entire attitude, his entire spirit had changed. Because for the very first time, he was seeing the world. This was a different man. Even though he was the same man. He had been Changed. He was a new creation. And they kept firing these questions at him. Well, what happened? What did he do? Who did this? What's going on? Who is the man who did this? And, and he, he didn't know. 
He didn't know what to do with all the questions that were being asked. He didn't know where to take them. He didn't know all the right answers. He didn't know how to wrestle with it. He knew how to answer a couple questions for sure. The first one is, if he was the same man. Well, of course I'm the same guy. What do you mean? Yes, I am the guy who used to be blind down the street asking you for money, asking you to take care of me. Of course I'm the same guy. But he couldn't explain what happened to him. He couldn't understand what had been done. He wasn't sure what was taking place in this new world that he was seeing for the first time. He was baffled. He was overwhelmed. It tells us everyone else's questions. Can you imagine his questions? Mom, I didn't know that's what you looked like. I mean, can you imagine the overwhelming? I didn't realize this is where I'd been sitting every day. I mean, of course I knew where it was, but I didn't know this is what it looks like. Wow, look at those flowers I decided to sit in front of every day. Huh, I wondered what the smell was. I mean, can you imagine the magnitude of things that were going through his mind? And yet all we see are the questions that everyone else asks. And he didn't know all the answers. He didn't know what to do with them. He didn't understand all of them. So this man did what he could do in this moment, in this situation. And he did it over and over and over again. He just told the truth. He just told a story. He, he told only what he knew. He knew what Jesus had done to him. And the more he told his story, the more we see his understanding of who Jesus was and what Jesus was doing continued to be refined and defined and more clearly understood by this man. We watch a progression take place, even in his explanation of what Jesus is doing. In verse 11, he calls Jesus the man. The man, Jesus, healed me. By verse 17, when they say, well, well, who is he? He says, I, I don't know. I guess he must be a prophet. The progression taking place as he's coming to understand more and more about who Jesus is. And then in verse 33, he says, well, well, we know that a miracle like this can only be done if this were a man from God. And then by verse 38, he says, he wants to believe. In the Son of Man, which is what Jesus called himself. He wants to believe. Could Jesus help him come to that place? We see this piece of his spiritual journey, this piece of where he was, and then we don't know what happens to him from there. We don't see the next steps. We don't see what goes beyond. We don't, we don't see his life. I assume he must have walked away significantly changed. How could that not be the case? Just the physical healing would have left him brand new. But in the process of this, he came to know and follow Jesus. He came to believe that Jesus was the Son of Man, the Son of God, a man doing incredible things. He came to understand Jesus as Messiah. And I want to believe that this means he walked away forever changed. And much of his contribution to the kingdom of God is that he shared his story over and over and over again. Even when he couldn't understand all the questions. Even when he couldn't understand all that was taking place. In verse 25, we see that he says, I don't know. He didn't know what happened. He didn't understand all that had taken place. I don't know, the man replied. But I know this. I was blind. And now I can see. And for him, he said, what more do you need to know? Is that not enough? Reality is, this is the story of conversion for each and every one of us. I was blind. And now I can see. 
I don't know much else, but I know that. I was blind and now I can see. And perhaps as you have a story to tell, a story of what Jesus has done in your life, maybe in similar ways it's incredibly dramatic like this man's story was. Maybe it's dramatic and overwhelming and compelling and you have the ability to tell this miraculous story of the ways in which Jesus came to meet you, came to know you, came to transform you. Maybe in some, some physical miracle like this man experienced. Or, or maybe not. And yet still is dramatic. Still as dramatic as perhaps in your story you were living life, walking down some terrible road, making horrible decisions. Maybe you were trapped in nasty decisions and the consequences of sin and the life that you were living in. And you didn't know what to do and you didn't know where to go and you didn't know how to escape. Maybe you didn't even want to escape. And yet in the midst of your suffering, Jesus met you. Jesus came and did something miraculous, whether, whether, whether literal or figurative, whether these were kind of metaphorical examples. Maybe Jesus gave you the ability to see again like he did this blind man. Or maybe instead he made you blind like he did Paul on the road to Damascus. Maybe what Jesus did is that he brought you hope. Like he did in the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. Maybe what Jesus did for you is that he welcomed you home. Like he did for the woman that we're told had the issue of bleeding for so many years. Whatever your miracle was, whatever happened to you in this dramatic story... Somehow Jesus met you. Somehow Jesus collided with you on your journey. And you came to the place of making a life decision that you wanted to follow Jesus into new creation. And Jesus made of you something brand new. And in the process of that, you chose to follow him. And my hope for you is that life has never, ever been the same again. Now, there are others of us in the room. Some of you who that's not your, sto- that your story, that's not the way your journey looked. Uh, my, my guess is if you feel anything like me, you're, you're a little envious of stories like that. You, you, you wish that your story sounded more dramatic or more exciting. I grew up in the church. This is all I've ever known. This is all I've ever been around. Sometimes when I talk about my story, I tell people, I bet I could have told someone how to follow Jesus before I made a decision to follow Jesus. I mean, I was, I was in the thick of it. I knew it all, not in an arrogant way, but I had been around it so long. The truth is, really, more than I saw some dramatic conversion experience, I kind of grew into this thing. I kind of grew into this place of of coming to a place of deciding to follow Jesus. But I had to make a decision that I wanted to walk with Christ. I decided to follow Jesus. And although there was no amazing life change that took place in my life when I was in, I don't even remember, third or fourth or fifth grade. And I made this, this decision to follow Jesus. Although there was no dramatic change, I was changed. I was blind And then I could see. I was a good kid, but I wasn't walking with Jesus. 
I was a good kid, but if being good was the measurement, I wasn't good enough. Because if that's the measuring stick we want to use, the only good enough that works is perfect. And I knew that I wasn't perfect. So I was good, but not good enough. I needed Jesus to make me new. And Jesus did exactly that. As a young child who'd grown up in the church, Jesus made me something brand new. Jesus healed my sight. A commentator and a guy known for lots of translating, R.H. Mount, says this. He says, we were all born blind and come to receive sight when touched by the one who is the light of the world. And when we come from this place, when we receive sight, when we go from blindness to sight, we're sent out with this challenge, with this privilege, with this opportunity to go and tell our story. And yet, the reality is, many of us are terrified by the idea of evangelism. Overwhelmed by just the word and the idea of what are we supposed to do about that. We don't know how to talk to other people about Jesus. We don't know how to introduce them to Jesus. We don't know how to invite them in. We have this whole list of, of, of questions or concerns, maybe better called excuses. I don't know enough, we might say. I don't know the Bible well enough. Somebody might have a question that I can't answer. What if I get confused? What if I say something wrong? What if I mess it up? What if I forget all of those points that are, that are in the tract or are in the process that I learned of how to tell people about Jesus? Have you ever wondered or thought any of those things? You still with me? Yeah, everybody's still here? Yeah, here's the bad news. The bad news. You ready? We're going to start with the bad news. Every one of those things might happen. All of them. You might not know enough. You don't know enough scripture. You haven't memorized enough. You might forget the process you want to walk through. Every one of those things might happen. Talking about Jesus to people who don't know Christ, it's scary. Because we don't know what the reaction will be. We don't know what the, the response will be. Trying to convince others that they should come to a place of following Jesus, it's terrifying. It really is. Trying to memorize scripture... It's, it's just hard. The idea of, of apologetics or, or trying to argue Jesus and Christian faith against other faiths, it's, it's complicated. There are all kinds of tricks and traps and things that we might fall into that are, are scary and concerning. So how about some good news? The good news, in this process that we're talking about, in this idea of following these six simple steps, there's no need to do any of those things. There's no need to get caught up in the things that we do or don't know. There's no need to get overwhelmed with the idea of trying to memorize too much scripture or trying to know all the theology or understanding every aspect of these gigantic theological terms that people who want to look smarter than other people use. Step four is simply tell your story. It's tell the story of what it looked like for you to meet Jesus. What happened when you met Jesus and how did it change your life? 
That's what the man in John 9 did. He didn't know any answers. He didn't know for sure who Jesus even was. He just kept saying, all I know is that yesterday I couldn't see you. And today I see your face. I was blind and now I see. I don't need anything else. That was enough for this man. That was enough for him to tell his story, to understand what Jesus is doing. He chose the option of doing what he could do better than anyone else could do. He chose the option of of, of sharing what he was the clear expert on. And in this idea of six simple steps, when we come to telling your story, we ask the same thing of you. Do what you're the expert on. This man shared what he knew. He shared his story and it walked through a progression. The the man healed me, he said. And then he went on to say, he must be a prophet. And then he said, well, since it's God who heals, I, I guess he's from God. And then that verse that was just up there again, verse 25, he says, I know this. I was blind and now I can see. The idea of, of evangelism becomes much easier when you and I will take the path, will take the route of telling other people what we know better than anyone else knows it. That's our own story. We are the experts on our story. Nobody else can tell our story of meeting Jesus any better than we can. Nobody knows more about our interactions with Jesus than we do. No one is as certain about what happened in that moment, in that experience, in that, that, that multitude of experiences, that that's what it was. No one knows more about it than we do, even if we can't understand it, even if we don't have all the details, even if we don't have clear understanding. So this morning, we have in your bulletin a tool. And would you do me a favor? Would you, would you pull that little worksheet that's in there out? If you have a copy of the, of the bulletin, there's a little worksheet in there. And we ask you to think about four things. Sometimes if you see these, they ask you to think about three, but we ask you to think about four things. Here's the first one. Who were you before Jesus? What was it like when you were still living blind? How were you living life your own way rather than living life Jesus' way? It may not be some kind of gruesome story. It doesn't have to be. But what did it look like before you knew Jesus? Just your story. Step two, you answer the question, what happened to make you decide to follow Jesus? Sometimes that's a thing. Sometimes that's a multitude of things. Sometimes that's a lot of experiences. Sometimes that's one experience. There's a multitude of ways in which you might answer this question. What person or persons influenced you to make a decision to walk with Jesus? When Nick Ripkin was here with us last week, he talked about these miraculous things that happened. Dreams and visions that some people have experienced. Healings that, that are incredible. He talked about the miracle that we experience, the miracle of, of freedom to worship as we do, where we do, and the way we do. And that that could be the miracle that we share of what Jesus is doing. Ultimately, you're answering the question, in what way did Jesus prove to you that he was worth following? The third, how are you 
a new creation? In what ways today do you continue to live as a new creation? Not only what change was made when you made a decision, but how is Jesus continuing to work in your life and continuing to make things new in you and different in you? How are you continuing to be created? How have your motivations changed? How have your relationships changed? What is it that Jesus is doing in you and through you and with you? The fourth question, how's the church helping you live into that newness? Often when we talk about sharing our own story, sharing our own testimony, we stop at those first three. Here's what it's like before I knew Jesus. Here's how I came to knew Jesus. Here's, here's, or came to know Jesus. Here's what it's like now that I know Jesus. However, when we do that, we have kind of removed the idea of our personal story from the life of the church. And the reality is what the scriptures are always inviting people into is into the community of Jesus, into his family, into his people, into his church. Our church, every church exists to help people move further and further along in the journey with Jesus. Valley should be helping you live as a new creation. And I need you to hear this. So everybody hear this very clearly. Are you ready? This is not my favorite thing that I have to say, but I have to say this. Are you with me? If Valley is not helping you come to a place that you're looking more and more like Jesus, then get the heck out of here and go find another church. I wholeheartedly say that because if we're not doing our job and helping you look like Jesus, go find a church that is. Leave us behind and find a place that is helping you look more like Jesus. That's the calling of the church. And if Valley's not doing it, you shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here. We should close the doors and go find a church that helps us look more like Christ. So why are you at Valley? What is it that has brought you here? What is it that Jesus is doing in this body and in this family that is helping you grow to look more and more like Jesus? What role is our church playing in your spiritual formation? And we've given you this worksheet so that you can take it and you can write it down and you can practice and you can put it to words. And so that you can trim it down and make it shorter. Because friends, you and I should be ready to share this story at a moment's notice. This guy who'd been healed and made, and, and made able to see again was invited in more than once. What happened? What did they do? What's going on? Well, who is this guy that did this? And he was ready. He, he was ready to answer what he could answer. No more, no less, but to tell his story. And we need to be prepared. We need to be ready at a moment's notice. It's, it's as if we have it in our back pocket. This morning, as I was thinking through this again, I thought about a a situation we were at last night. Last night, we were at dinner with some friends, and and Tom and Beth were there. And just last night, Beth was telling us about some shows that they found on TV that they were watching. Several of you in this room have done that with our family in just the last couple of months. Hey, we're watching this show, and we think it's really good. You might hate it, but you should check it out. You guys have done that with us. We tell people about shows they should watch, restaurants they should go to, where they should get their hair cut. But most of us don't ever say anything about our faith or our church or what it is that Jesus is doing in our life. And we should be just as ready as we are to talk about the new TV show we found on Netflix. This is what Jesus is doing. This is how Jesus is working. We should be looking for chances to share this story. Next week, Bible school is a huge week at Valley. And a new challenge. We've always kind of assumed that this would happen. But a new challenge that I'm placing on 
everyone that is working is that every single person who is here shares their story at least once with a child while they're here. Every single person sharing it at least once. That's what we do this for. That's why we're here. And if we can't practice on little kids, how in the world are we going to go be able to tell it at our workplace? So we're going to tell our story and we're going to tell it over and over again. So we've encouraged you. We've given you a tool to write it down. My encouragement to you is that your story, and like in its full version of answering these four questions, should be 100 or 200 words long. And that's it. This is not some long dissertation. They can ask all the questions they want for follow-up. But this is your story. The man, What was the man's story? I was blind and now I see. That, that, period. That was enough for me. I was blind and now I see. What is our story? And the more and more we live in a new creation, the more and more we live into being changed, the more and more we're transformed, our story should become clearer and clearer. It should become newer and fresher and easier for us to share. As we live in a new creation living, people should be asking us the same thing that they asked that man. Is this even the same person? Is this even the same person that I used to work with? There's so much happening that has changed them. Is this it? Of course it's me. But Jesus is doing incredible things in my life. You should come join me. Because sometimes reality is as we share a story, we only share bits and pieces of it. But we want to get to the place that we can share one. You want, you want to hear mine? And you guys know how I struggle getting things short, right? Here's mine. I grew up in the church. I was a good kid who knew a lot about church and the Bible and even Jesus. But it eventually became clear to me that knowing all of the right information and being good wasn't enough. I had to make a decision to follow Jesus. Giving my life to Jesus brought reason to my living. It brought purpose to my decisions in life. Still, God is continuing to transform me and call me forward in faith. Valleys pushing me to grow in my desire to love others. And in my commitment to look more and more like Jesus in everything I do. 110 words. We can all get there. Now reality is if I were to share that story, I'm not going to read it to somebody. I'm not going to carry around a note card and go, okay, hold on, I'm ready for this. Here we go. I'm going to just tell them what happened in my life and the ways in which Jesus has worked and is working and is bringing change and is moving things. Sometimes the reality is we only have the opportunity to share a portion of our story. We walk into this interaction, we hear something and we go, man, that must be really hard for you. And I am so sorry. And we grieve with them and we sit with them. And then if the opportunity presents itself, we say, can I tell you a story about what Jesus has been doing in my life over the last few weeks? And we talk about the way that Jesus has brought change. Or we say, can I tell you a story about the way in which my church is changing me because of what Jesus is doing in the life of my church? Somebody new moves to town and we say, let me tell you about the incredible things that are taking place in my church. You should come with me. We don't share the whole thing, but we we just share this piece of it. Ruth Haley Barton writes this, the spiritual journey can be understood as the movement from seeing God nowhere or seeing God only where we expect to see him to seeing God everywhere. 
especially where we least expect to see him. What if you and I were looking for God at work everywhere we went and we were looking for opportunities to help share our story in that? I was blind and now I see you. Or whatever version it is for you and for me. Jesus has done something incredible in us and surely we should long to share that story with other people. We should long to tell others what is happening and how we are being changed and how they should come join us in that. Friends, step four in this process we're walking through is tell your story. So take this worksheet you have. And my encouragement to you is is write it down today. Write down your story and then narrow it down and make it as short as possible. 100 words, 150 words, 200 words. And then look for opportunities to practice it. Tell your spouse, here's what I've got. Tell your kids, here's what I've got. And once you practice it with a few people who you know, you can, they're easy, you can handle them. Then start to remember what it is and look for a chance to share it at work this week. Or at a restaurant. Or in the grocery store. And those of you that are with us, not this week, but next at Vacation Bible School. Prepare to share it. Maybe it's the one sentence version sometimes, and maybe it's the ten sentence versions other times. But be prepared to share it because we're going to look for you to share your story with children. And then next week we're going to talk some about how we spread seeds and invite them to come join us in it. All right? Let me pray for you. Jesus, we are thankful for what you have done on our behalf. We are thankful that you have given us new sight. Help us tell the world. I was blind and now I see. Because you have given us the ability to see. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.